you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 1 just for a few minutes. It's uh, 12 minutes to 7, but that don't bother me a bit. Amen? Hope it don't bother you. We've already had a good message, good testimony, and uh, I'll lay it on the line and do it quick. Uh, Lord willing, the creek don't rise. Amen. Uh, Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. I'll do away with all the preliminaries. You know what missions is about. And uh, I just want you to know that um, there's some coldness and complacency and callousness setting in in the church today. And what's going to heal it, the coldness and the complacency and the callousness, is compassion. Compassion will make a difference. The annual, the average annual giving to missions in America, the average annual giving to missions in America is $3.60 per year. That's one cent a day in light of 1.4 billion people in China. 1.3 billion people, I didn't say million, billion people in India. 267 million Muslims in Indonesia. And there's souls that Jesus died for. And my question to you is, does it bother you that we are getting callous? Does it bother you that America is getting cold? And I want to tell you something, folks. There's a lot of partying going on, and there's a lot of happiness and joy. But I want to tell you something, friend. How can we be happy and joyful and just have services when men and ladies and boys and girls around the whole globe have never heard one time a clear presentation of the gospel? I'm amazed at how much money we spend on other things besides missions. And folks, we need to repent as a country, as, as a church, as a people, and that we should be bothered, bothered by some of the lackadaisical, callous complacency that's come in. I tell you what, folks, we're not satisfying God with a token of giving to missions. Folks, missions is not a program in the church. It is the program. It's the reason Jesus came to this earth. And so missions is not just an annual conference. Missions is the heartbeat of God. And folks, evangelism should be your heartbeat. And souls should be your heartbeat. And what we need is to be like Jesus. Jesus is a soul winner. He was a soul winner, has always been a soul winner. He won 27 people to the Lord personally. Uh, he won 27 people. You'll look it up in the New Testament. You'll see them. And uh, he set the examples. Turn to Mark chapter 1 real quick. And uh, I don't know exactly where to uh, start, but I'll just start at the beginning of this morning's message where he healed Peter's mother-in-law, proved that he was never a pope, never could be a pope, never shall be a pope. He was just a man of God that got saved because Andrew brought Jesus to him. She got healed of a deadly fever, and uh, he lifted her up out of bed and ministered to him. And that is great and wonderful and a great prayer. And all day long he ministered. And then look at verse 35 and stand on the word of God. And in the morning, and in the morning, John 1, 35. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed in a solitary place and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said to him, All men seek for thee. And he said to them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. 
for therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying to him, If thou wilt, thou can make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him. And he said unto him, I will be thou clean. And then the leper did not obey God, did not obey the Lord. Because it says, and as soon as he had spoken immediately, the leopard, leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed, and he straightly charged him forthwith and sent him away. And he said to him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for a cleansing uh, those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city but was without in a desert place. And they came to him from every quarter. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the great song, good singing, time of Lord's Supper. Lord, time that we've uh, looked within, looked without, looked to Look back to Calvary and, Lord, just so thankful that we're saved and that you came to us when we could not come to you. Lord, thank you for your compassion that's made a big difference in every one of our lives, an eternal difference. Uh, Lord, thank you, God, for caring enough to come where we're at. And Lord, please help us never to get a cold, callous, complacent spirit in this church. God forbid we'd lose a pioneer spirit. God forbid that we'd just say it's too busy to come to a missions revival. Too many things going on of mundane importance. And God miss out on having more compassion for the lost and dying world. So Lord, please help us to see the compassionate Christ this night. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, compassion makes a difference you know people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care and Jesus cared uh, no one ever cared for me like Jesus I believe Weigel wrote that song and he was influenced by a good friend of mine or a, a, a great man of God that came here often Dr. Lee Robinson and he put him up after his wife left him and uh, told him that she didn't want to be married to a preacher and he wrote that song, No One Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus. What a great song. And folks, I believe that song is true because no one ever cared for me like Jesus. And I believe it was expected halfway for Peter to bring Jesus to his sick mother-in-law and see that miracle in that home. And then the mother-in-law, as I preached on this morning for a few minutes, rose up to minister unto them. I believe we, if we're really saved, one of the evidence is that we pass from death into life, 1 John 3, 14, that we love the brethren. That's an evidence. If you don't love the brethren, you better check up and see if you're really saved. If you don't love God's word, you better check up and make sure you're saved. If you don't love to come to the house of God, you know, a lot of people get saved and you have to beg them with the uh, FBI to look for them and you have to beg them to come to church and prime them and pump them. I don't know if they got saved or not. Folks, saved people like to worship. Saved people like to be around other saved people. 
Folks, saved people like to learn about Jesus, know about God, grow in the Lord, grow in grace, and magnify Him because they're grateful that they were saved by the grace of God. Don't ever get over being saved. Don't get callous about this thing. Don't get hard about it. Don't go through the routine. I tell you what, sometimes I think robots walk in this place and they're mechanically singing and mechanically uh, doing this and that and there's not an expression of happiness, not an expression of joy, not an exp expression of fervency about them. But you get them to a football game on Friday night and they won't sit down the whole game or Saturday afternoon, put it that way. Whew, I'll never do that again. But anyway, compassion makes a difference. When uh, that word is used, a lot of people think that means soft. Soft people caring and weeping. Uh, the very man that I thought got nothing out of the couple's retreat this weekend uh, was the first one that stood up weeping. Just an older man. I mean, about half my age, but he was older, you know. And he just started weeping. And I thought, praise God, you can't judge a person by their cover. But thank God you sure can let it overflow once in a while. Amen. I don't know who taught you to be hard. I don't know who taught you to be callous. I don't know who taught you to be indifferent and look like you don't care. But I want to tell you something. The lost and dying world needs to know that you care. Amen. Amen. They need to have a little fervency about you. You need, a, you need a little compassion. And I don't mean that's emotion. But I mean that's going out and touching people's lives and sacrificing your time and being moved inwardly. It's a yearn with a tender mercy and a uh, it means to have pity, but it also means to have sympathy, but it means to have empathy. You were there one day. You were a leper. You were unclean spiritually. You were uh, distant and alienated from God, and He touched you. I still like that old song, He Touched Me. Amen? I like that old song, He reached way down and picked me up. Amen? Now the miry clay of sin, and He did that. But folks, I believe the average person's got over it. And folks, I want to tell you, it, it, the, the word compassion comes from the phrase that we get from the bottom of my heart. From the bottom of my heart. And I want to tell you something, friend. People are not impressed by our presentations. They're not impressed by our tracks. They're not impressed by our, 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 our dedication until they know that you really care. Have you ever shared your feelings with somebody? When's the last time you ever wept over somebody being lost? If you wept over old yellow getting shot and you hadn't, you hadn't wept over somebody going to hell, something's wrong, say amen. You wept over some guy losing $64 million on a game show and you hadn't, you hadn't wept over God, God uh, come and done all he should and could and people still are just walking down the highway of hell not feeling a thing, folks. We need to have this. We need to share feelings. We need to enter into the same feelings, and we need to feel the same way. And that is the definition of compassion. The compassion of Christ moves me in this passage and all through the Gospels. And I didn't know Brother John was going to read one of my verses, but praise God, I'll just go to Matthew nine and read the same verse in another uh, chapter. But I, I'm telling you what, that's the Lord. It says, and He said unto them. Let us go to the next town that I may preach there. Because he knew there was somebody there called a leper. And folks, he, uh, he was there and nobody would talk to him. Nobody would touch him. Nobody would love him. And nobody would even go on the same side of the road with him. He was an outcast. He was, he was uh, uh, friendless. Uh, he was hopeless. And then he heard about Jesus. 
How did he hear about him? Because verse 39 says, And he preached in their synagogues throughout the Galilee, and he cast out devils. And that word passed around. And folks, the crowd started gathering. And Simon, and uh, they were probably excited about the following. They said, All men seek thee in verse 37. But then in verse 40, it gets personal. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him. And kneeling down to him and saying to him, if thou will, thou can make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him. And he said unto him, I will be thou clean. Now let me just summarize this short message, folks, is that it, compassion makes a difference because you do not have a division between you and the sinner, but you touch him. You touch him with care. You touch them with love. So it was an unclean thing to touch a leper. But I notice in verse 41, Jesus moved with compassion, and he put forth his hand and touched him. The Holy Spirit emphasizes things on purpose. Every word's important. Say amen. Every jot, every tittle, every dotting of the eye crosses the T. And he said to him, I will. See, folks, we need to get a hold of people's hearts, but we can't touch people's hearts. We can only maybe touch their hand or hug their neck or touch them with some act of kindness or service. As I said, that fellow that's a fugitive for 35 years, and I can't go into detail what his name is or anything because it's confidential. I believe he's touched by Brother Larry going by and seeing him often. He's in a, one, he's in a solitary confinement, which he deserves. He's very sick. He's dying. And he just didn't want to talk about the Lord. I want to tell you something, people that don't want to talk about the Lord needs to be opened by love. You can close a person's spirit through sin and selfishness and vainglory and you can just be closed. A lot of people are closed. I want to tell you something, you can oil the hinges of their heart through touching them, loving them, meeting needs. A man fell into a pit and couldn't get himself out, and a Christian scientist came along and said, you only think that you're in that pit. A Pharisee said, only bad people fall into a pit. And a compassionless fundamentalist said, you deserve to be in the pit. Does that sound like some fundamentalist? A charismatic said, just confess that you're not in the pit. A Methodist came by and said, we bought you some food and clothing while you're in the pit. A Presbyterian said it's predestined, foreordained that this is no accident that you're in the pit. But an optimist says things could be worse. I mean, excuse me, uh, the optimist says things could be worse. A pessimist says things will get worse. But Jesus, seeing the man, took him by the hand and lifted him out of the pit. See, that's the difference in compassion that makes a difference. You can talk about, you can talk about soul winning, you can talk about missions, you can talk about support you can talk about all that but I want to tell you something folks somewhere along the line if we really care we'll change our talk into a walk and we'll change our talk into a give and we'll change our talk into having some extended prayer meetings for missions we'll change our talk into just reading a mission letter and saying well that's good and his wife's been very sick and I, I, I got to teach his daughter at the uh, a couples retreat this weekend and she was telling me how very sick her mother was and 
how sick her daddy was and they were driving to Montana, both of them sick. Now what drives a man to do that? Compassion. Compassion makes a difference. One reason Jesus was able to express such compassion was he'd been there. He lived and died in poverty, the Bible says in Luke 2.24. Uh, you know, a lot of people, we've had it so good, we don't know how people feel. Tell you the truth. Um, he knew about loneliness, Matthew 14, 23. He was despised, hated, and rejected, John chapter 1, verse 11. And he even endured a time of severe temptation, Matthew chapter 4, 1 through 11. So folks, listen. I know a lot of you haven't been there and done that, but all of you have been lost. All of you have been lost. And how did it feel? It felt terrible. You was lonely. You was confused. You was blind. You were dead in your sins and trespasses. And somebody came to you. It might have been through a preaching service. It might have been through a soul winning experience. It might have been through a Sunday school class. It might have been on a vacation Bible school class. But I'm going to tell you something. Somebody brought you the light. And I had these globes all dark this morning. I was going to preach this, but I ain't got time to go over there. But I want to tell you something, friend. The reason the world's in the darkness is because of no gospel, but also nobody that cares enough to take it to them. Folks, some having compassion makes a difference. Now, let me just close by saying the object of compassion. Folks, we ought to love everybody. Black and white, red, blue, rich, poor, African Egyptian, whoever, Muslim, Baptist, um, mother-in-laws, Peter's mother-in-law, or an unclean leper that nobody would even talk to or touch. But Jesus saw the leper. Some of y'all were lepers. Y'all were as unclean as they come. And you was getting unclean by the minute. And folks, you was digressing by the second. Praise God, I want to tell you something. Somebody came to you and intercepted your life, and now you're not just uh, better off. You're better because you're going to heaven, and you're on a higher ground, and you was ripped out of the miry clay of sin because somebody touched you, and his name is Jesus. Let me close by saying, first of all, he feels compassion for the scattered ones. Look at Matthew chapter 9 real quick. Matthew chapter 9. Look at verse 36. Why don't we feel like God feels? Because we don't see what God sees. We don't do what God says do, and that's pray. We ought to pray that God would send forth laborers into his harvest. And folks, it's easy to pray that Mark Coffee stays over in South Africa, but what about praying that you might go to South Africa? Look at Matthew chapter 9. This afternoon, Miss Underwood was over our house about all day uh, trying to figure out how to get on the plane and have the right size carry on and she was nervous and she was talking I was trying to study so I was hiding in my study but my wife she's just showing compassion she's saying it's going to be alright you're going to make it I mean she talks more than I do that's a problem amen I hope she's watching and I want to tell you something and, I, and, and she's so excited about seeing her son and her daughter and her grandbaby that's over in South Africa so excited about going over there she's going over there with Miss Burnell and and the sisters, and, and a Tuesday, they're going to fly out. Y'all pray for them. But I, I thank God that, I thank God for a son 
that was probably trying to talk, even talked out of it, that would go on over there and be a blessing to those South Africans. And God is using Brother Stephen Underwood in a mighty way. Amen. He's finally got it together. I hope he's watching. He ain't watching. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. I wouldn't be watching me either. But anyway, listen. He felt compassion for the scattered ones. And I want to tell you something. Matthew 9, 36 is a great missionary verse. It says, now when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. You need to see the multitude. You need to see people as they are. Stop seeing people uh, exteriorly. Look at them interiorly. Look at their heart. Look at the fruit. Folks, he was moved with compassion because he saw the world in a different way. He saw them as sinners going to hell, but he also saw them uh, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep that had no shepherd. Folks, no direction. No protection. No green pastures to lay down in. And, and no shepherd's hook or, or crook or, or, or staff to protect them and number them and help them. No shepherd to take the cast down sheep and go after them and pick them up and restore them. And no shepherd to lead them in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Folks, sheep without a shepherd is a pitiful thing because they're just wandering around, groping at everything, eating all kinds of poisonous weeds and, and doing all kinds of things, just stray and, and, and unclean and, and dying without the Savior and without a shepherd. And so what happened? He said in verse 37, Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And then in Mark chapter 5, he felt compassion for the sinning ones. The sinning ones, not only the scattered ones, but the sinning ones. Look at Mark chapter 5. I'll just get a couple of these, pick them up. Mark chapter 5, please. And I want you to look at this, this chapter. It's wonderful, the Gadarean maniac. Streaking through a country graveyard without a lick of sense. Demon possessed, naked, running around. I bet he made his children real proud. I mean, he's living in the graveyard. He is a lunatic. He is crazy as he could be because he's possessed by the crazy one devil. And folks, they can't tame him. They can't. He's cutting himself. He's crying. And Jesus saw him afar off. And he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee? Verse 7, Jesus, thou son of the most high, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. That's the demon speaking in through this, this maniac. And he said to him, Come out of this man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered and said, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he should not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh to the mountain a great herd of swine, and all the devils besought him, saying, Send us in the swine, that we may enter. And forthwith Jesus gave them a leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea, and they were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it to the cities and the countries, and, and uh, they went out to see what it was that was done, and, and, they, and they come to Jesus. And see him that was possessed with the devil 
had legions. And what was he doing? Sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. I want to tell you something, friend. The whole bottom line is verse 19. It says, How Jesus suffered him not, but said to him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for thee and has had compassion on thee. Most people were afraid to even talk to the maniac. But Jesus had compassion on him. He saw him afar off. He went after him. He didn't run from him. And folks, we see in Mark four, Matthew 14, 14, that Jesus had compassion on the sick one. And I'll close with this verse and preach the rest later, but look at Matthew 14, 14. I believe it's a key for you to have compassion. It's a key for you to have compassion. I want more compassion. You know what? We need to war against a hard heart, a hard countenance, a hard attitude. Yeah, fundamentalists sometimes say, yeah, you deserve to be down that pit, bless God. If you wasn't so wicked, you wouldn't be in that pit. I want to tell you something. It's only by the grace of God you're not down there with him. Amen? It's only the grace of God we're not in prison with that guy. Amen? It's only the grace of God, Brother Larry, you got saved. On that Sunday morning when Frank McCarty brought you the gospel. He's saved. He's going every day. Even Christmas he goes. I, don't, I can't under, uh, That's amazing to me that he'd go on Christmas. God's birthday and go to prison. And take the gospel because he cares. Oh, friend, do you care? Do you really care? Matthew 14, 14. I see the key of having compassion. Look at it. And Jesus went forth. There's the key right there. Go where people are. Your eyes will affect your heart. If you never, hey, listen to me real quick. If you never go visiting, you're not going to have compassion. Matter of fact, you prove you don't have compassion by not visiting. But when you do visit, even without compassion, and you feel compelled because Brother Wayne barks all the time about it, and we feed you and bribe you and do everything we can to get you out there. And you go and you finally go and you finally go and you finally knock on the door and you go to a little uh, snotty-nosed, blue-eyed, blonde-haired little girl that daddy and mama are both drug addicts and strung out and she's not got clothes on her back and she ain't got a meal to eat and she ain't got a, uh, even a mother to take her to Head Start or to the school and she's just sitting there lonely and deserted and, and hopeless and helpless and she looks up to you and says, I'll go to church. And she gets on that little old rickety bus and comes to this church and everybody in the church hugs her, and loves her and kisses her carries her around like she's some kind of little doll. That happened about three months ago. And I wake up sometimes in the middle of the night and I wonder where that little girl is. And I wonder what happened to her. And I wonder if she's hungry that night. I wonder if she's getting abused. I wonder if she's neglected. I don't know where she's at. But I want to tell you something, friend. Somebody must have compassion and care enough to go and try. And I was criticized for trying to help and give and haul refrigerators and do everything I could to get them on solid ground. 
Now, I don't apologize for it because if they didn't do it, at least that little girl might grow up one day and say, there was a preacher that cared. There was a church that cared. There was a church that loved me. And when I get out of this dumpy place and this crummy home, I'm going to find me a church. That's what happened with a 12-year-old girl that's in my daughter's home right now. Somebody touched her. Somebody had compassion. She's being raised by two lesbians, which is a terrible thought for a 12-year-old girl. And she said, I want out of here. And she complained so loud and she cried so much that the defect said she wants out. We know a good Christian home. We'll let you go out. And now she probably just left Vision Baptist Church and heard a good message by the one that took her in. Folks, some having compassion makes a difference. Where would this little girl end up? She might end up a lesbian, even though she's saved. She might think that's the lifestyle. Two women trying to raise a little girl, that's abominable. That's wicked. That's ungodly. And the state of Georgia allows it. In the United States of America, in the, in the, in the, uh, the guise of freedom of expression, says, yeah, come on, let them have them. In the name of freedom, kill babies in the womb. God help you. If you back those people up, you need to get right with God. Wicked. Demon possessed. To kill babies in the womb, they have a right to live. Just as much as you had a right to live. I thought this was going to be a nice, sweet message. It, it ain't turning out that way. Because I'm mad at sin and I'm mad at the sinner. Because, friend, but I love the sinner. But I want to tell you something. I think also... I'm mad at myself for not trying to reach out more. So I got three fingers pointing back at me. So you, first of all, Jesus went forth. Thank you for sending me on the mission field. I'm not talking about my daughters either. I'm talking about several years ago, y'all encouraged me to go on the mission field. It changed my perspective. Everybody tried to get me to go on a Holy Land trip at this retreat. They said, oh, you got to go to the Holy Land. I said, I don't want to go to the Holy Land. I want to go on another mission field. Amen? I'll just read about it and look at books. I'm also scared of the Arabs. No, not really. But uh, uh, listen, the Muslims. Folks, listen. Touch people that are down. Pick them up. Give them a meal. Give them a ride. Hey, listen, spend some time with them. And then he not only went forth, but here's the key, and I've already preached on it. He saw a great multitude, and here it is, and was moved. With what? Compassion towards them, and he healed their sick. Here's the divine order. Go, see, move. But what we want to do is sit around the church, move me, move me, move me. Holy Ghost, move me. I want to tell you something. It's hard to move a, a, a cemented object. Amen. It really is. But it's easy to move somebody that maybe is a little too wild and a little too enthusiastic and they're, you know, they don't know exactly where they're going, but they're moving. They're trying. They're going to go visiting. They're going to go try to teach this class and they'll help in the class and they'll ride in the van and be the bouncer or the or the guard or whatever they are. They'll try. They don't know exactly what they're doing, 
but they'll get off the pew and they'll try to go where people are that are dying and lonely and hungry and cold because of sin. And then they're moved. And then you don't have to beg them to go back on the bus ride. You don't have to beg them to go back on the van ride. You don't have to beg them to come to church because they found out that God could use their life. And when God uses your life, there is nothing more joyful than that besides salvation. Amen. I mean, just to be used of God. Just to have the privilege of ministering and seeing souls saved and seeing souls encouraged. And so, what about you? What really moves you? Does it concern you that you're not moved? And stop giving an excuse. Somebody else ought to be moved. God wants to use you in your sphere of influence. And so he felt compassion on the sinning ones. He felt compassion on the sick ones. Luke chapter 7, he, he felt compassion on the suffering ones. And then he even felt compassion on the seeking one, and the leper knew where to go. And then he said, don't go tell anybody, because I want to preach, and I want to teach the gospel. And if you tell everybody, all they're going to do is line up, and want to be healed, and they want devils cast out of them. That's not my priority ministry, charismatic. My priority ministry, and he told them, said, don't say a word. I often wonder, why did he say not say a word? He couldn't help himself. He blazed it out. Hey, I was, I was, uh, I was, I was lost. I was unclean. Nobody even see me. Nobody touched me. Nobody knew me. Nobody called my name. Nobody loved me. And now I'm whole. I'm clean. And he disobeyed God. Because he told him not to tell anybody. And he did anyway. So, oh, no, he was just testing him. No, he wasn't. You'll read in context, he was saying, I want to preach the Bible. I want to, I want to declare the gospel, and I want to preach, and that's my priority, and I want to reach. But he said, I can't do it anymore. And he had to go out into the desert place, and they even came to him out there. There was a man that's a very affluent man in India. He got saved. And he, a lot of his people got sold into slavery. They call them uh, coolies. I had to look up the word what coolies were. But they, they're just ordinary laborers in mines in South Africa. And they would take them as slaves. Somebody would sell them. And they, they would take them as slaves. And this man sold himself into slavery so he could reach his people. He went to South Africa. He was already 73 years of age, and he sold himself for five years, and he died. A very prosperous man from India. And he died a slave. But it's recorded that he reached over 200 of his people in slavery. And folks, that's compassion. Compassion makes I want to read one more verse that sums up the compassion of Jesus. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, and we'll go. I'll just stop right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Some having compassion. Christ went, he saw, praise God he was moved. 
For he hath made him to be sin for us. You talk about touching us. He became one of us. And it says, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Told of a story of a young man that saw one of his classmates going home and he was carrying all his books and he dropped them and that young man stopped what he was doing and went to that young man and helped him pick up all his books and went home with him. And they shared a coat and spent the day and he tried to encourage him. He broke up with his girlfriend and he was leaving school after school and had all his books. And several years later, they ran into each other again and he said, Buddy, I want to thank you for helping me that day. And you probably wonder why I had all my books and all my things that I dropped and you helped me pick them up and you came and spent the day with me. He said, I'd been saving up pills. I'd been saving up some strong medicine from my mother and daddy's cabinet and I was going to kill, I was going to kill myself that night. My girlfriend broke up with me and I thought it was the end of the world. I was just going to do myself in. And when you came along and you picked up my books and you came home, you shared a Coke with me, and you spent about three hours talking to me. And that subject never came up. After you left, I said, maybe there is something worth living for. And compassion literally saved that young man's life. But folks, I want to tell you this. Compassion will literally save somebody from an eternity of hell if you will take Jesus to them. Jesus touched the leper. He touched the leper. And he healed the leper. Because he had compassion, the Bible says, on him. Father, thank you for a good night. I didn't feel like being here when it first started. Thank you for the compassion of Brother John Carver and the many years that he's proved it by going out every Saturday, giving up his Saturday to Go visit, knock on doors, and talk to little poor kids. And talk to affluent kids that had parents that thought they didn't need to go. And Lord, thank you that he's touched many. But he'll be the first to say it wasn't him, it was God. And so Lord, help us to be vessels of mercy. Help us to be vessels of compassion. Help us, dear God, to really care where people are going. God, help us to really care what people have to live in. God, help us to really care when some jokers don't even care about themselves and they don't know how low they really are and they don't care and they're bitter and they just want to hurt people. God, help us to care. God, no one ever cared for us like you. And may it be said that we cared enough to leave the confines of our comfort zone and go out and reach out and reach down and love someone with your love and your spirit doing the work. Lord, that's our prayer. That we'd have compassion that makes a difference. In Jesus' name we pray.